Welcome to Didache, where we are studying to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of truth so we can worship God in spirit and truth, deepening our knowledge of God, thereby enabling us to deepen our love for God. Here is your host, Justin Peters. Welcome to the program, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that this finds you and yours doing well, and I want to thank you for joining me for today's program. I've already received several emails from you uh, regarding this new series that we're doing on Santa Claus, and I want to thank you very, very much for that. It's very encouraging. In fact, at the end of this series, I'm going to read some of your emails on air uh, because I think some of these emails will be of encouragement to other people as well. So uh, please do keep them coming. I I'll, I'll love to hear from you. And I'm collecting these, and, and at the end of our series, we'll read some of these. I must apologize to you. Uh, my timing is not very good. I didn't plan this out very well. My series on hearing from heaven went longer than I thought that it would, and so I didn't get, I wasn't able to get all of the Santa Paul's series in before Christmas. So I know you are listening to this after Christmas, after December 25th, and so, um, you know, the, the timing is not great on that. I understand. I can only ask your forgiveness for that. But uh, hopefully uh, the, the truth, nonetheless, is, is, not, uh, is not dependent on a date on the calendar. So uh, even though it's after Christmas when you're listening, you'll remember this for the next Christmas that rolls around. And they do tend to roll around pretty regularly, do they not? Okay, well, uh, in our last program, we talked about the history of Santa, the origins of Santa, and I pointed out how the origins of Santa are not nearly as genteel as many have assumed. Uh, it is it is dubious at best to say that Santa Claus can be traced back to uh, Saint Nicholas, uh, who rather famously uh, confronted Arius over his heresy of uh, Arianism and things like that. That's the Kirk Cameron version that he put in his movie a couple of years ago. But uh, that that history is dubious at best, and there's a lot of indication that it's actually a much darker um, de demonic origin. But that's kind of really it's interesting for us. But now we get to the real meat of the matter, and I'm actually uh, going back to the emails that I've received from you. I'm encouraged that I've already received some because we haven't even gotten to the good stuff yet. I mean, the you know the origin of Santa is interesting for us, but uh, we haven't even gotten to the good stuff today. We start to get to the good stuff, to the, the material, the uh, content that really has a bearing on whether or not we should do Santa with our kids. And even if you don't have kids in the home anymore, uh, this will I think this series will still be helpful for you because we're going to talk about some of God's attributes. And uh, I will hopefully this, this uh, series will equip you because undoubtedly, you have friends, you have family members who do Santa, and maybe this has been a, a bone of contention in your family or amongst your peers. So I hope that this will be an equipping uh, series for you. Okay, now, here we go. It is now, dear ones, that I must ask you as much as possible to put aside personal preferences, put aside majority opinion, put aside tradition, and preconceived notions in general in dealing with Santa Claus. Here's where I ask that you consider the following information from a purely biblical point of view. 
All right, we're going to examine who Santa is and who God is. We will look at his character characteristics and attributes and compare them to God's characteristics and attributes. And um, up until, I'll, I'll tell you, up until about six years ago, I'd never given this much thought at all. Um, uh, I was... Uh, six plus years ago, I would have been in need of reading an uh, uh, an article like what I wrote on Santa Claus, or a, I would be needing to hear a series on Santa rather than being in a position of having of actually giving one. So um, six plus years ago, I would have needed to have been the recipient of this information, not the one giving it to you. So anyway, it was it was about six years ago that I really began to think through. Uh, who Santa is, the the attributes that he has, and um, and then I I really began to take th- take every thought captive to to the obedience of Christ, as Paul instructs us to do in Second Corinthians ten verse five, and um, after doing so, I have decided and I have come to the conclusion that there is definitely biblical warrant for us to give Santa Paul's P A U S E. Okay. Now, let's look at some of Santa's attributes, all right? Number one, Santa is eternal. Santa is eternal. Santa is often portrayed as having a wife, Mrs. Claus, but he is never portrayed as having a mother or father. Have you ever noticed that? You never, you hear about Mrs. Claus, but you never hear about Santa's mom and dad. Uh, He seems to have no real beginning, and he certainly has no end. He's just always been around, and apparently he always will be. Now, eternality, of course, is one of God's incommunicable attributes, one of his attributes uh, that he, well, that he does not share with us. We will live eternally. So I, I say that we, in the sense of right here and now. Our, our physical bodies are not eternal. Santa has a physical body, and his physical body is apparently eternal, whereas ours is not. Now, we will, after our the current physical bodies in which uh, you and I reside, once those wear out and uh, go back to dust, then we will later have new physical bodies, resurrected, glorified bodies, uh, in the eschaton. But here and now, uh, our bodies are not eternal. Santa's body is. And so... Um, uh, God is the great I am. He has always been and always will be. And Santa shares this attribute with God. That's the first one. Number two, Santa is immutable. He is immutable. This is closely related to his eternality. Uh, Santa also is apparently immutable. In other words, he does not change. Year after year after year on December 24th, and in fact, I am recording this on December 24th, um, year after year after year. On on this very day, December 24th, Santa packs up his sleigh, boards it, and uh, flies off and makes his appointed rounds with just as much energy and enthusiasm and strength as he, as he has in all the years past. Time seems to stand still for Santa. And unlike all of the other created plants, animals, and we humans who grow old and we undergo decay, Santa appears immune from the passage of time and the curse of the fall. Santa never gets sick, he never gets tired, and he never seems to age. Uh, This is one of God's 
incommunicable attributes. God is also immutable per Malachi 3 verse 6, Malachi chapter 3 verse 6, Hebrews chapter 6 verse 17, Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8, and James chapter 1 verse 17. This is these are the scripture verses references that refer to the immutability of God. Santa is also immutable. Okay, the next one. Santa is omnipresent. He's omnipresent. Santa is, in effect, everywhere at the same time. Now, true, he does go from one house to another to another, but he visits every child's house in the world all in one night. And as I was, uh, six years ago, as I was doing some research on Santa and kind of uh, wrestling with this, I came across a rather humorous engineering analysis of Santa's feat of flying. Now, this particular, it's on the internet somewhere, I don't have it in front of me, but this particular analysis done by an, an engineer of Santa's <laughs> Santa's travel, this assumes, uh, the writer of this particular um, paper article, assumes that Santa does not visit Buddhist, Hindu, or Islamic children. Okay, so you put those aside. Uh, just in in the United States, okay, just in the United States, Santa still manages to visit 91.8 million homes in one night. That's just in the United States, okay? So just to be generous, this particular author allowed Santa a full 24 hours. So let's say he doesn't even he doesn't even uh, do it all in one night. Let's give him full 24 hours with an additional 6 hours provided by the different time zones with the assumption of east to west travel, okay? <laughs> Until this was done by an engineer. Now, according to this particular engineer, Santa must visit 822.6 homes per second. So, for all intents and purposes, we can say that he is omnipresent. I mean, if he can visit, if he can go up and down 822.6 chimneys per second, yeah, let's just call it what it is. He's omnipresent. So, uh, all of this aside, this kind of humorous engineering analysis aside, Omnipresence is one of God's incommunicable attributes. He is limited neither by space nor time and is everywhere present in all of his fullness. We see this in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 39. We see this in 1 Kings 8, 27. We see it in Psalm chapter 139, verse 8. We see it in Jeremiah 23, verses 23 through 24, and Ephesians 1, verse 23. All right, the next attribute, Santa is also omniscient. He's omniscient. Now, I think this is one of Santa's Santa's creepier attributes. Santa seemingly knows everything. Consider the words of John Coots in Haven Gillespie's 1934 song, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. We all know that song, right? Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Here's what it says. He knows if you've been sleeping he knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. He knows if you've been sleeping. He knows if you're awake. That's kind of creepy, is it not? From his home at the North Pole, Santa possesses the ability to know when each and every child, and presumably adult, on earth is sleeping and awake. Compare Santa's power with that of God. Proverbs 15, verse 3 says this, 
The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. That's kind of that's kind of creepy, isn't it? I mean, not God, but it's creepy that Santa has the exact same power and ability that God does. The Bible tells us that the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good, and yet we know from Santa, he knows if you've been sleeping, he knows when you're awake, he knows if you've been bad or good. So be good, for goodness sake. It's that The line out of that song, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, that line is, is in a lot of ways, almost word for word, Proverbs 15, verse 3. You can certainly say it's a very, very close paraphrase of Proverbs 15, 3. Santa knows our behavior and apparently is qualified to make judgments as to its meritorious value. He sees all and he knows all. Omniscience is one of God's unique and incommunicable attributes. Per Job chapter 21, verse 22, Psalm chapter 33, verses 13 through 15, Psalm chapter 139, verses 1 through 4, and Matthew chapter 6, verse 4, among others. So, Santa is omniscient, he's omnipresent, and also Santa is good. He's good. Santa is portrayed as a kind, gentle, jovial, and good man. He is good via his authority to determine which children have been bad or good. Okay. Now, good is a word that we often use to describe everything from people to to some desired outcome or to fried chicken. You know, good is almost kind of like a catch-all phrase. Well, it's a it's a good day. That's a good meal. Uh, it's uh, uh, the the football team had a good day. You know they you know whatever. Good is we use good for a lot of things. Now some will undoubtedly think I'm stretching here, but describing Santa as good is problematic when it's coupled with all of the other divine attributes ascribed to him, ascribed to Santa. God's standard of goodness is moral perfection and complete obedience as measured by the Ten Commandments. And none of us measure up to that standard, dear friends. None of us do. We have all sinned, Romans 3.23, and all of us have hearts that are deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, per Jeremiah 17, verse 9. The Apostle Paul stated in Romans chapter 7, verse 18, Paul says that nothing good dwells in him. He, he, he knew that. Nothing good dwells in me, he said in Romans chapter 7. In Romans chapter 3, Paul says that there are none good, no, not one. No one is good except Santa. Santa is good. Santa is good by his nature. This, too, is in direct opposition to Scripture. In a statement affirming his own deity, Jesus told the rich young ruler very plainly, in Mark chapter 10, Jesus told the rich young ruler, no one is good except God alone. God's goodness is uh, sometimes referred to as his omnibenevolence. God's goodness is original to him and is not possessed by any of the fallen created order. Okay? Per Psalm 52, verse 1, Psalm 107, verse 8, Psalm 119, verse 68, and 1 John 1, 5. God's goodness is original to him and is not possessed by any of the fallen created beings, you and me. Santa's Goodness, the fact that Santa is good, 
by his own character and nature, separates him from every other created thing, and it puts him in the class of God. Puts him in the God class. And some say I'm stretching on that. I don't think I am. Not at all. Not at all. Not when you take every thought captive. Not when you examine everything through the lens of Scripture. Test all things Hold fast to that which is true, First Thessalonians 5.21. I don't think it's a stretch at all. Next attribute, Santa is a gift giver. He's a gift giver. That Santa gives to good children and leaves lumps of coal for the bad children is inextricably tied to his goodness. Only one who is intrinsically good by character and nature is truly qualified to make judgments about good and bad behavior and render the appropriate rewards and punishments. Now, I'll read that again so you'll understand what I'm saying. The only one who is intrinsically good by character and nature, God, is truly qualified to make judgments about good and bad behavior and qualified to render the appropriate rewards and punishments, respectively. Now, God's the only one who's really qualified to do that. However, Santa does this a Two, Santa's activity all year long is for him and his elves, and parenthetical thought here, ponder that Santa has elves and God has angels. Just another parallel, just something else to kind of stick in your hat. God has angels, Santa has elves, so parallels here. All right, so Santa's activity all year long and the activity of his elves is to create toys for worldwide distribution. He is a gift giver, and he gives with no expectation of anything in return. Right? You thought about that? Santa brings all these presents. Nobody pays him. You know what? I can remember when I was a kid, when I still believed in Santa. I, <laughs> I asked my mom. I was, I was getting to that age, and like, I'm, something here not not passing the smell test. You know, it's, it's, I, I was starting to figure out... Something here about Santa just not adding up. And I asked my mom, I said, Mom, do you have to pay Santa? And she said, yeah, we sure do. But, of course, I mean, that that's not really uh, in, in agreement with the, the, the common notion of Santa Claus. You never see a, a portrayal of Santa getting paid. You know, you never see Mom and Dad writing him a check or calling the North Pole and giving them their credit card information or anything. Santa just makes all these gifts. He and him, him and his elves makes all these gifts, and he brings them around to every every home on the planet, deposits these gifts, never is paid, except for maybe some uh, milk and cookies that the kids leave out, but never gets paid, and he goes home. So in this aspect, too, Santa looks just like God. God is the only true gift giver because only he gives with truly pure motives. And for Santa to, to deliver gifts all around the world, not get paid, that would be pure motives. Only God gives with pure motives, dear dear ones. God gives light, Genesis chapter 1. He gives man the fruit of his labor in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 13. God gives individual uh, personal abilities, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. God gives love, 2 Timothy chapter 1, 6 through 7. God gives gifts. He gives spiritual gifts. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14, Romans chapter 11. God gives spiritual gifts. 
God gives faith and repentance. Faith and repentance are in and of themselves gifts of God. God gifts, he, he grants them. Hebrews chapter 12, Acts chapter 5, Acts chapter 11, 2 Timothy chapter 2. He gives faith and repentance for the gift of salvation. And salvation in and of itself is a gift, Ephesians chapter 2. In the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So you see, the fact that Santa is a gift giver, and so is God, that's a problem. God is, that, that is a problem. God is not only the ultimate gift giver, but also the only true gift giver. For every good thing and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights, per James chapter 1, verse 17. Okay? God is the only true gift giver. He is the ultimate gift giver. And the fact that Santa does the same things that God does, that is a problem. And we could uh, we could press on, dear ones, and we could cite other attributes but I think this list is sufficient to establish that Santa Claus shares many of the very same characteristics and very same attributes of God. And this should be extraordinarily sobering to all of us who profess Christ. Santa diminishes the glory of God by sharing in his glory. Glory is a term that we often hear and use. We often speak of giving glory to God or we affirm that God is glorious. But what does that really mean? Um, I fear that the magnanimity of this term, glory, is it all too often eludes us, it, and and really it will elude us today as as well. It will elude us elude us because it's not really possible to give an adequate definition of the glory of God. And I'm sitting here looking at my time, and I I want us to talk a little bit about glory. Um, but I don't think I have enough time to do it because we only got like at most two minutes left. So I'm going to wrap this up. This is where we'll pick up tomorrow. We're going to talk about what is what is the glory of God, um, and uh, we'll bring all these all this together, all of Santa's attributes. And tomorrow we'll talk about the glory of God. So again, dear ones, thank you very much for listening. And once again, I apologize that this did not get to you before Christmas, but uh, didn't plan this out too well. So anyway. Uh, love to hear from you. Email me, justin at justinpeters.org. And until our next time together, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Thank you for listening to Didache. We hope that you were encouraged and edified by what you just heard. If you have a question or comment for Justin, or are interested in more teaching resources, or would like to have him come and preach at your church or conference, you may contact him at justinpeters.org.